0: Ladies and gentlemen, to the life of, well, Caligula, I think, whoever we're doing at the moment. I think it's still Caligula. Uh, today I'm doing a, a guest interview. We've done a few of these lately without Papa Bear by my side, as usual. Instead, I have a guest, uh, Sir Anthony Poulton-Smith. I think he's British, so I automatically I think all, <laughs> all British people with three names deserve a sir or a lord. I'm, are you a sir or a lord? Which one oh, uh, comes first, uh, not, Anthony?
1: No, I, I, um, most people would call me sir, but I, I think sir. it's derogatory more than anything else.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, I get a lot of that. that you don't want to know in Australia no. we have other words that we use for that. But anyway, um, he's a uh, freelance journalist and author from, uh, well, Tamworth, uh, Shropshire. if I'm uh, not mistaken, according to his, uh, I don't know, Wikipedia page or something. I saw it on. The author of, sit down while I say this, 78 books uh, such as the origins of English pub names. Uh, I've got another list here. Don't go anywhere. Crime and the canals. Paranormal Staffordshire. Haunted Worcestershire. Uh, no, I probably pronounced that wrong. I, I got in trouble recently. Here's one. Leicestershire and Rutland places names. I got told <laughs> recently by one of our one of our most annoying British listeners, Anthony. I mean, and that's saying something. Uh, that it's not pronounced Leicester, but Leicester, and I should have known that from my Monopoly days. It shows you how long it is since I played Monopoly. Uh, so you you kind of reached out to me a while ago about coming on to talk about Latin and English words, <laughs> derivatory words in English that have come from Latin. But ex- start, can you explain to me how? it is even possible that that is not pronounced Leicester but Leicester. How the fuck do you get Leicester <laughs> out of that, Sir Anthony? Uh, Cameron, the the problem is um, place
1: names don't uh, aren't listed in the dictionary. Um, so you can spell them out the hell you like. Uh, since Dr Johnson and others had a stab at putting the English language into a dictionary, and, of course, if you go to... Uh, America I believe it's Webster's um you can uh, you can spell exactly how you like and when errors creep in they tend to stick um, Lester is the is the is the correct pronunciation always has been over the years of course you also get it the opposite way around where um I mean, you you wouldn't, yeah. You also get it the other way around, where the spelling has been corrupted by the incorrect pronunciation because you're reading it. I mean, you'd never pronounce London as London. It's London for goodness' sake. If you read it,
0: mm-hmm. but nobody ever queries it. Mm-hmm. I also get no. told recently that uh, Scottish people are British, uh, which I, as as somebody with Scottish heritage, I refuse to believe that Scottish people. Are British? I just I, I I can't get my head around that one. I refuse to accept that that could possibly be true. But anyway, English
1: or British. Well, Irish are British and Welsh are British. No. no, no, hang on, wait a uh, minute. Some Irish are British.
0: <laughs> yeah. See, no, I've got. I've got too much Scottish and Irish heritage to believe that that could possibly be true. Anyway, that's, maybe that's just my Australian uh, anti-British uh, heritage coming out. You, your lot did send us here as <laughs> some form of backwards punishment. Here, go to paradise. Go to a land of sunshine and pristine beaches and blue skies that's pretty much warm all year round. Oh, that'll, that'll teach you for stealing an <laughs> apple. When you were starving, yeah.
1: I actually found one the other day. I was, or uh, the other month, I was looking at something, and uh, somebody was deported. Uh, deported. That's not, not the right way to say. Trans. Uh, what is it called? Oh, I can't remember. Um, anyway, they were sent to Australia for stealing a handkerchief.
0: Mm, mm, mm. I
1: mean, yeah. whose handkerchief was it though?
0: Might might have been somebody um, important's handkerchief.
1: I, I think it was a, a, a catalogue of things, but it was, the crime mm-hmm. was stealing a handkerchief. Mm. Yes, yeah, she was transported. transported. Was stealing a handkerchief. Yeah,
0: transported. Well, anyway, Anthony, you uh, tell me. You, you do a lot of these books on the origins of names. Tell, tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, uh, why this fascinates you enough to write seventy-eight books on it.
1: Right. Um right. First and foremost, I would describe myself as an etymologist. Uh, I'm sorry. In- Have you
0: seen a doctor about
1: that? <laughs> I can keep scratching it, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ologies means the study of, and uh, etym is the was from a Greek word meaning the true or the truth. So it's the true meaning. Um, etymologists study words, language, the development of. Uh, I can't remember a time when I wasn't fascinated by words. Um, it, I never ever thought, what does it mean? I always thought, why do they call it that? An early one I remember was ankle. Why on earth would you call it an ankle? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's a, it's a ridiculous word. Until you learn that it comes from exactly the same source as angle. And that's exactly what it is. It's an angle huh. between your foot and your... Yeah, yeah. Mate, makes joint. perfect sense. You would never put the two words together. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Otherwise, so... Uh, yeah. th- th- there are other things as well, you know. That's,
0: uh... Does one make a good living from being an etymologist? Uh, d- is it? Did you go to university to study etymology and uh, go and launch yourself into a career, mm-hmm. or is it like being a podcaster? You're basically uh, running around trying to convince people that th- this stuff that you know is actually valuable. Well, it
1: does enable me to do many, many talks. I, there isn't a subject that hasn't got a word attached to it, and therefore, if I, <laughs> I can describe the um, the origin of, of a series of words for a particular subject. Um, mm-hmm. Then I can I can write an article, a book. I can give a talk, maybe humorous. I hope, in some instances, um, on on just about any subject you like. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that isn't open. Doesn't it'll open a door somewhere? Trust me, mm. just by looking at it from a different angle. Um, oh, I see. I see what you well, did there. The, I didn't do that deliberately. I just realised what I did. Wow. <laughs> yes, looking at it, looking at it from how, a different angle. Yes, isn't it?
0: That's, a, that's how good you are. You're doing it without even knowing it. That's the sign <laughs> of a true genius. Oh, thank you. But where, the, where does the word genius come from?
1: Oh, genius, what a
0: good word. Um,
1: off the top of my head, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, we did this on the show recently. Uh, Didn't yeah. Well, genius is from the same root as a genie. Oh yes, I've got like the, Aladdin it and is, a yeah. genie. The, the yeah. Romans yeah. believed that you had a, uh, a sp- sort of like a spirit animal, a genie yeah. that uh, was the, that would whisper in your ear and give you great yeah. insights, and uh, that is where your genius came from. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, it it does have um, the same origin of, of a word such as engine. If you look up engine in the dictionary, it's defined as a device that connects, converts energy into mechanical power, I think.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Well, you couldn't have that before the Industrial Revolution. So you're looking middle of the 18th century. Yet Mm -hmm. the word is used in English uh, records at least from 1300. So that's what, 300, 400 years prior to the Industrial Revolution. It refers to a mechanical device, Mm. and you can find the term used uh, to refer even earlier. So, So you're going back to 13th century, 12th, 13th century, and used in a variety of senses, including skill, craft, or an ability, but also used negatively to mean things like deceitfulness or trickery. It came to English from an old French word meaning skill, wit, cleverness, and in some instances the opposite, to trick, to deceit, to deceive. But if you go back far enough, you will find the last word is ingenium. Ingenium was a war machine, and earlier still used to mean qualities or talent. So you, you devise the war machine because of your talent, because of your skill, because of your genius. Or ingenuity,
0: mm-hmm. mm.
1: so ingenium hasn't changed hardly at all when it comes to mean in when it comes to use as ingenuity. But mm. the word engine has principally mm. because we use engine a downside like more than we use the word en- ingenuity. Obviously, I mean it's it's, 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 it's like far less likely to be corrupted.
0: Well, from. My understanding that I was reading recently about the genius and the genie, it was the force that gave you the ability to do work. If, if Caligula or Augustus had great genius, it was the some ephemeral force that, that uh, spurred them on to great acts of uh, insight or bravery or courage or, or rhetoric or political facility, whatever it was. So in that sense, it sounds exactly like an engine, right? It's the the force that enables something to move. I I, I, I I can see a connection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yes. I would
1: have... To give the power to, yes. I would have thought, yeah.
0: Mm. Mm. Mm.
1: I would have thought that genie would probably have come from the Arabic jinn, but uh, there could be a route back back through Sanskrit and goodness knows what else. But, yeah, possibly. Possibly.
0: P-I-E. Yeah. (laughs) Um, all right, what are some other words? Because we look, we do this a lot. I don't know how many of our shows you've listened to, but over the years, I, I, I'm, I'm nowhere near as proficient uh, as you are on this. But I, like you, though, get fascinated by these words. And I think, well, what does this really mean? Where did it come from? How has the meaning of it changed over time? So it's a subject of some fascination to me. Well, what are some other words that you think we might find of interest?
1: Well, you, could, you, couldn't, you can't have an engine without any fuel. Of course, the earliest fuel would have been wood, or the earliest form of power would be, would be fire. You can't have fire without fuel, and it would have been in the form of wood originally. However, it doesn't mean fuel is one of the earliest words. Fuel is quite a late word. It's surprisingly a complex word for a, a word of just four letters. And it's not even used as a noun in English until about 800 years ago. It came to English from French. The modern French, if there's any French speakers out there, my apologies, I am not a French speaker. I believe the word is fouallier, which means a woodyard. It's spelt F-O-U-A-L-L-I-E-R. It means a woodyard, and you can hear the fuel in it, in the Hmm. word fouallier, which is probably why I'm pronouncing it the way it is. Go back a bit, we come to the Latin word, focalia, which meant the right to demand material to make a fire or to burn in a fire. So it could be wood, it could be peat, it could be well, dried dung, I suppose they used to do all sorts of things. And you can trace this back to an early Latin where focalia meant brushwood for fuel. Hmm. And focalis, pertaining to the hearth, It's easy to recognise for Carlis as meaning the focal point. Yes? Mm -hmm. The same five letters at the beginning. The hearth originally meant family. Mm. And therefore fuel, the 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 central the central piece of the of the um, of the house would have been the fire, not the television set. Mm-hmm. or the hi- Wi-Fi or anything like that. It would have been the hearth. You would have cooked on it. which was there for light. It was there for mm. fuel, for, for power, for cooking, for everything. For it would burning, have done everything
0: for burning it. burning
1: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. There are a few around here, I tell you. Um, yes, the, uh, the the word fuel and the word hearth have all led to the assembly around, around the fire, around the hearth. And it, it actually means... It refers to the family, mm. and it's a group activity. It's the mm. focal point.
0: And, and any connection between hearth and heart? Mm, probably not. Come on, just make it up, Anthony.
1: No, 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 I'm not allowed to make it up. Can't do things like that.
0: Um, okay.
1: <laughs> maybe um, heat and half. that may be. Uh, I wouldn't have thought that... Yeah, yeah. I know. You, I know. We tend to see uh, folklore tends to see the heart as the uh, as the the organ that propels us, that groups us all together. So does this, that, and the other. It it's the brain. <laughs> the brain does everything. Not the heart. Heart's just a muscle, just a pump. Nothing else doesn't yeah. do anything else.
0: <laughs> oh, I know that, and you know that. <laughs> but uh, try telling that to some of our friends out there.
1: Well, this is true. This is true. I mean, there are other words from from Latin, but there are a remarkable number that we still use. Um, one of the fascinating ones, I think, I you, you metric in Australia, yes? We're, we're supposed to be metric here, but you can bet your life that majority of people are still talk in feet and inches, I'm telling you. Um,
0: very, very metric here. We're very hardcore metric. metric.
1: Hmm. Yeah, so you, you measure your cricket pitch in, in, in meters, do you? Yes, yes you want. Yeah. I bet you don't. I bet you're still twenty-two yards. <laughs>
0: no, um, I mean uh, uh, meters. I think, but you're asking the wrong guy. Last cricket game I yeah. watched was 1978.
1: So, oh goodness me, yeah. that'd be Kerry Packer, wouldn't it?
0: Well, he didn't. Kerry didn't play. He just
1: no. I know he was. He was TV, just. But uh, yeah. well, he he made it a money-making exercise. He so I know, I'm not going to criticise him for it. Yeah. Um, yes. No. I mean, the yard uh, comes from. Uh, A word that refers to, if you pull out a tree, uh, the poles growing from it will grow straight for about a yard, would have been the word, which is three feet thereabouts. Afterwards, it starts to branch out a bit, but it's that three feet that's important, because they would have cropped them there and then, and they would have used them for making uh, the framework for the walls or or hatch gates or wattle and daub. Yards, of course, are split into three feet to the yard, and a foot, surprise, surprise, takes its name from a, well, an adult thing at the end of your ankle, that foot. However, the Roman foot was slightly different to the English foot or the Saxon foot. Saxon foot is about 11.65 inches, um, a... Roman foot is closer to sorry the Saxon foot is about thirteen point two inches the Roman foot was about eleven point six five inches got nothing to do with um, the fact that the Romans had smaller feet than Saxons it was because of the way they were used um, Saxons used to use the, the linear measurement of the foot to measure land the Romans evidently only ever used them so they were using it horizontally the Romans only ever used the foot in construction in building and that's why you use that's why you speak about the footings to a building you still speak of it I assume you do in Australia we do here uh, in good old UK we still refer to the the footings of a building and it doesn't refer to anything other than the, the fact that you're building from a foot which is when the Roman days, 11.65 inches. I mean, it'll be metric these days. Somewhere around about
0: Well, I'm going to, I'm
1: going
0: Go to challenge you on this one because when we did our Augustus, Life of Augustus series, I seem to recall that we said that the Roman foot was standardized by Marcus Agrippa at 11.65 inches. Um, during when he took over uh the armed forces under Augustus, or it may have even been under when he was still Octavian, it was uh, to standardize uh, the signposts along the way. So they knew how far they'd come and how far they had to go. He said, we need a standard foot measurement. And I think it might've been the size of his foot. So they did use it sense. for marching, I think, for the armies. Because yeah. uh, he Agrippa also undertook to massively upgrade the quality of the roads around the empire and make sure it was easier to transport armies in their wagon, trains, etc. But, yeah, I, I think they used it for measuring distances as well.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um, and, of course, uh, uh, we've already mentioned the inch there. Uh, the inch comes from the Latin word uncial, which means one-twelfth. What a twelfth oh. part is what it means. More interestingly, hmm. and particularly the Eastern Roman Empire, um, so around Romania and the Eastern European languages, Unseal has given them the word for thumb. Sum. S-U-M? No, thumb, that digit on, oh, there, on the end thumb. of yeah, ah. in not, not a finger, but a thumb. Uh-huh. And, and, even I can remember my father and, uh, and and other more elderly relatives, shall we say, using their thumb as a measurement to measure in inches. Really? Well, that's a lot. A they, rough, obviously a, a, a rough measurement or something like that. They must been
0: very short because my thumb is more <laughs> like two inches.
1: Yeah, but you're you're measuring to the knuckle. That's what you do.
0: Yeah, where are they measuring
1: yeah. to? Oh, the middle one. Oh, yeah, you you're only you measure the from the. You don't measure to the base; you just use from the top to the to
0: the knuckle oh, on the thumb. Okay, is that, that's probably why my co-host Ray is often known as Ray Thumb. I think he, his wife calls his penis thumb. That probably explains it. <laughs> it's, it's an inside, it's an inside joke. You'd, I guess it probably is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not doesn't doesn't um, go very far inside. But anyway, keep going. It, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, um, the uh, I just,
1: you put me completely. Really often.
0: The, uh, My work here the is Roman, done.
1: The Roman uncial has given a word in Eastern European languages that, that means thumb. So we must, at one point, as it originally meant one-twelfth, and you don't have one-twelfth of your hand isn't your thumb, it must have been um, used as a, me- to, as a guide to measure things in order for it to be passed from one to the other.
0: Anything else you want? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah.
1: Let's try another everyday object. Let's try the mirror. It comes from the Latin word mirare, meaning to look at. And also gave us "mirari" to wonder, to admire. You've got to admire yourself in a mirror, haven't you, for (laughs) goodness sake? It's also given us words like miracle and things like this, because uh, I don't know whether you know, but the idea that uh, breaking a mirror gives you seven years bad luck uh, is due to the fact that it probably took you seven years to save up to pay for the uh, replacement mirror because they're producing a piece of glass so wonderfully that you could get a half-decent reflection in it. Uh, was an incredibly costly business and uh, that's where it comes from.
0: What about Mirage? Same thing, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, it would be the same thing, yeah. yeah. Mm. It's a vision, it's a, a mm-hmm. sight, it's something to see. Yeah.
0: Mm. Very good, what else have you got for us, Sir Anthony? Uh, um, I wrote
1: a book on uh, salt roots uh, some years ago. And, uh, wait, just- wait, on what? Salt roots? Salt roots, yes. What, what, um, does,
0: what does that mean? Okay. What's a salt root? Okay.
1: So, r- roots is spelled R-O-U-D-E-S. At times when we were largely agrarian, and uh, we would grow everything or feed it and slaughter it. If you wanted it, you you grew it yourself. You were self-sufficient virtually entirely because there was no travel, a bit like today, you know, we're all locked down here, and um, virtually no travel, you couldn't trade, couldn't do anything, you grew what you wanted, and if you didn't, well, you didn't get it. Uh, The one thing you couldn't be self-sufficient with was salt, and it was used in everything. You would not believe even today the amount of stuff that you put salt in as used in the process. I mean, you, you can't make cheese without salt because you can't produce the rind. You can't... Uh, they couldn't um, preserve meat. They couldn't cure hides. They couldn't do all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Uh, the salt in bread making... You, and Unless you lived by the sea and produced... If you did live by the sea, you would get your um, your uh, stones very hot and you would splash water onto them, sea water onto them, and it would leave a thin film of crystals. These you would scrape off, and that's how you would use it. In Britain, we have four major salt areas, salt-producing areas. Um, One was in the northeast, well, that's gone. Uh, Another one was in Somerset, well, that's flooded. Uh, That's not used anymore. The two are Droitwich uh, in Worcestershire, that you mispronounced earlier, as in source, and uh, Cheshire salt. Is, uh, is probably the most famous one. And um, they would extract it and they would trade. And you can trace the two major centres in Worcestershire and Cheshire. You can trace the, um, the routes they took, not only through place names, but you can also trace them through um, archaeologically because they would uh, be packed in containers. Now, over the years, obviously, the container would rot away you wouldn't find it at all. Uh, the salt would disappear. You couldn't find that either. But what it did do was lift an imprint in the land, in the soil, and by simply finding the shape of it, they could tell whether it, it was salt that came from Worcestershire or whether it came from Cheshire. And you can trace these roots around. But salt gave us... It was the, um, the original currency. Um, and from the Latin word saldari meaning soldier, because he was paid in salt, because it was, the, um, it was the universal currency. because You could exchange it no matter where you were. You didn't need the euro, you didn't need the dollar, you didn't need anything. You were paid in salt, or the equivalent of salt. Salt also has been ingrained into the language. Um, Saldari, the, the name for the, the, the soldier, he was given a salary, which also comes from salt. Uh, what else? Saldar means to give salt, so this is why you get soldier. Salinate means to change completely. In essence, a salinator was a servant whose duty was required him to pound lumps of salt to crush them up so that they would be useful. And he would clean and he would store it for the household. A salarium was the payment made to salt workers who extracted the salt. A sala. Was the ancient salt box, as in cellar, the salt cellar, which kept the salt clean and dry? You have a salt cellar today. We still do. Do we? <laughs> you do indeed. <laughs> I don't. But a, okay. You have a pepper pot. You have a pe- right. You have a pepper pot, but you have a salt cellar. And it's the, it's usually the, exactly the same things. They usually ma- match.
0: We just call them a shaker, salt shaker, See? pepper shaker. There you go. <laughs> uh, we've done away with that. Interesting. <laughs> Now, um, no connection with the word salute, though salutare, different. That was
1: salutation. No, that would be completely different.
0: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Salt. Never thought about that before.
1: When you go to your barbies, do you have a um, do you have a pint these days, or do you have a liter?
0: Uh, well, no, we just have a, a Coke.
1: Just have a yes, right, yeah, um, yeah. right, okay. Uh, lit, a, a paint, uh, a pint, the word pint, it comes from the days when tankards and bottles, even were made from leather, and they would be used, they would use the scraps of leather that, uh, over at the end, and you would produce. A rough shape of a tankard or a a bottle or whatever it was you were trying to produce. And then you would seal it, um, form the shape, and you would seal it with tar so you make it uh, watertight. But, of course, that's a very, it's not very accurate way of producing a a pint pot or whatever. So they would put a paint mark on it to um, indicate where the liquid measure inside would reach a pint. And the word paint gave us the word for pint.
0: Wow. So it was a it was a measured measured by paint.
1: It was measured to the paint mark. Yeah. Wow, yeah.
0: that's a good one. I think we still people do still ask for a pint of beer here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you ask, you ask you ask somebody if they want a pint, for? and you you wouldn't expect to get milk or tea or coffee or anything, would you? No. You, no, you'd, no, no. Or even brandy for that matter.
0: No. Well, I'd like a pint of brandy sometimes. would um, be Good.
1: Yeah. yeah. A bit early for me here.
0: What else have you got?
1: Oh, let's think. Um, Bad oil. Oil is a good word. You can't have an engineering if you want. There's another sort of uh, liquid. Um, any engineering project requires lubrication. Oil was first used in the petroleum sense in a document dating from the early 16th century, although it we, we wasn't in general use for a... Well, not, not until the combustion engine, really. It came to English from the Old French word, which had the same meaning... But if you take it back further, you come to Greek, Alya, and the Latin Oliver, which probably gives you a clue as to where it came from, along with the Armenian words. They all refer to an olive. So the original oil was olive oil, and named because of the olive. It's also become a color. Uh, the fruit is named for its oil, rather than the other way around, because Oliver originally meant the oil, rather than the the, the fruit. But the the Latin really? word then gave a name to so the yeah, the oil the oil gave its name to the fruit, not vice versa.
0: So olive oil is sort of redundant.
1: It's oil oil, oil yes, <laughs> a bit like an owl as well, same very similar word. It's named from a Germanic word, uh, which is onomatopoeic. it um the owl named itself because the German word for an owl is I do not
0: i don't I don't understand. The owl named itself.
1: yeah. It's like a cuckoo. It goes, cuckoo. Oh,
0: yes. okay.
1: And the owl goes, well, it doesn't go, woo-to-wit-to-woo. No, I mean, might be <laughs> vocalised that way. It goes, ooh. Ah, doesn't it? So there you are. So it, it right, named itself.
0: Right. What else have you got? Um, you're a you're, oh, f- you're, you're font of information.
1: Well, I suppose we're on the... Uh, I'm. I most people know that uh, the, the word table comes from the Latin tabula. Many will be aware of the, the Latin mensa meaning table, but it didn't refer to the furniture. Mensa referred to um, a table, as in um, I don't know, um, a, a table of figures and data. Yeah, more than not the, uh, the the table itself. Or tabula referred to the table tabulation. No, the it it refers to the, uh, and then of course the the, the two were interchanged, but debt. The desk, similarly, um, I very often use a desk. It comes from, because the Latin discus didn't really mean a disk, as we know it today. It correct, uh, the Latin discus meant flat, which is why you use a desk, because it's a desk, I suppose. Uh, it's known as a writing, it's a writing surface because it's a flat surface. In, interestingly, it wasn't ever used in, uh, to refer to a place of work in an office until about Well, I think the first example is about 1800, which is only shortly before Bob Bob Cratchit and Charles Dickens had him working hard at his desk. It was actually a very, very new word. And interestingly, nobody had a desk job until 1965. Only for the last sort of 60 years have people had desk jobs. Prior to that, you just did a job, it was an office job. Right. (laughs) Uh, Radio? I suppose a podcast is, is, is virtually a radio program, I suppose, to some degree. Hmm, Derived better, from, obviously.
0: Better then, yeah. but yes. Yeah.
1: Better, oh, definitely. Radio better than evolved,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, there we are. Comes from the Latin word radius, does radio. Um, radius meant beam, and effectively, radio means ray like. Podcast is a is a created word, um, very recent, that uh, type of thing. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I, I love the origins of words and things. And uh, the number of times people say, oh, you can't use that word. It's not politically
0: correct. Uh-huh. Give me an example. Well, shit. What's not politically correct
1: about shit? It originally meant muddy. So any four-letter word you can think of, I can tell you it has a perfectly, it's used as a euphemism, and right. that's where the unacceptability comes from.
0: Like we have a, we, we have a motto on my podcast, D-back. D B A C basic motto stretches right back through time. It's our version of the golden rule, which is just means don't be a cunt, don't be a cunt. (laughs) It's a basic motto of life, do it, just do it, just don't be a cunt. That's all you need, that's all you need to know. Um, and that's a word I'm I think it's as popular in your country as it is in mine. Americans, do you need to get that? So, have you got another, got another
1: call? No, there? I'm just shutting it up. i am just hidden it. There you go. What a cunt. It, you know, go to vote. It probably, it probably was. That was probably what was on the phone. Yeah, really. I'll tell them when, when I'll phone them back. D back.
0: Yeah. Americans um, Americans no. get very offended by the word. And, and I always have to explain to them, like in Australia, it's a sign of affection. And I'm sure it's similar in your country. You go up to somebody and say, G'day, old cunt. How are you? It's, uh, it's a sign of uh, friendship. Right? No, one, no one gets offended. Uh, but the etymology of the word, I find, is a little bit uh, muddy to get back to shit. Um, do, can you tell us about the etymology of cunt?
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's, um, up until about, or oh, it wasn't that long ago, 1700, 1800, something like that, you would find many, many um, towns and cities would have a grope cunt alley. And everybody says it's where the prostitutes hang out. And it isn't. It's got nothing to do with that. It was the, because it was so bloody dark, the only way you could get up there, you could find your way, was by groping your way along it. It's a dark, narrow passage. Hence the euphemism, right? And then, um, But originally, it was um, a sheath. That's what it was. Right. That's all it was. It, it right. was anything... Um, well, I've got to watch it now. No, it was anything tight and narrow that you would slide things into. So there you are, mm. there's, there's your euphemism. That's why it passed from one to the other. If, you, if I mean, you're like,
0: lucky, it's tight and narrow, uh, you know, it's, Well. It's, in, in which case, it's a, it's, you, a, it's a compliment. Well, it leads us directly onto fuck, obviously. Well, yeah. well, hold on, I wanted to get back to Shakespeare before we move on from cunt. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All I was going to say was that the word fuck
1: just means thrust.
0: Really? doesn't
1: mean anything. Yeah, yeah but in, yeah. You, you could, you could... Sheath, sword, fuck, mm. sword in sheath. It's a, it just is, it's a euphemism.
0: I know there's a line in uh, Hamlet, I think it is, where uh, uh, Hamlet asks Ophelia, shall I lie in your lap? And she says, no, my lord. He says, what do you think I mean? Country matters. There's a bit of a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, apparently wow. uh, to um, uh, 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 the people of Shakespeare's time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Never so
0: been a fan of them. Yeah, thrust. Thrust. Thrust in a tight sheath. Well, that makes me think of Las Vegas. That's another in-joke. Um, all right. <laughs> well, we've covered the full gamut of uh, words there, Sir Anthony. I, I thank you for your time erudition.
1: and erudition. Anytime,
0: Cameron. If, I want, if our listeners want to start on one of <laughs> Your, your incredibly uh, prolific output. Is there a book that you would recommend they start with?
1: It depends what you wanted to look at, really. I mean, a lot of um, Australian names, of course, are place names are transferred from from England, um, or Britain, perhaps I should say. I mean, uh, Tamworth, I believe, in New South Wales, has a very famous music festival, does it not? Mm.
0: Well, I wouldn't go as far as to say famous. Um, okay. It's okay. country music, um, which here country, is about yeah. you know so, yeah. the the people well, who look, listen to country music to the, here are you know yeah. well yeah do you back yeah it's probably <laughs> <laughs> well well done <laughs> sir you catch on quickly yeah, yeah it's, listen it's, by it's, by the way most of our most of our listeners most of the people listening to this are probably Americans not Australians right. So do you have something that's uh, be of interest to Americans? I think you've got a book on America or somewhere in your catalogue.
1: I have a book uh, looking at uh, transfer names from uh, the UK to the USA um, and tells you exactly why it was named, what it was. How they got across there, normally it's through a a surname. Um, I mean, Halifax wasn't named because of Halifax in Yorkshire and taken to Canada. Um, it would be taken there by Lord Halifax. Uh, it would have been taken as a as a title and as a surname. Um, but it it explains them. I think there are somewhere in the region, I think there must be over a thousand examples in the book, um, which is available um, as an ebook download. Um, and,
0: and what what would the book be called, Sir Anthony? It's UK to
1: USA place names.
0: Oh, okay. Not culture-wise, America. That's a, I thought that's where you no, were going. No, that's a, a book I co-wrote with David Hampshire some
1: years ago, looking at uh, um, those who maybe want to relocate in the U.S. of A. Uh, what you can expect, because as I know from experience, the uh, the things you, you you sign up for in Britney is very easy compared to some of the oddities in the in the United States of America. And I still can't get over the fact that you can pull through a red light when you're turning right in various states. And I can never remember which states it is that I do it in. So I just stop at the red light and wait for somebody to honk behind. Honk. You know, <laughs> <sort of door. laughs> oh, sorry, mate. I'm from England.
0: I have an American wife, so she's always sitting beside me going, you know, you can turn here. Like, yeah, okay, okay. I know, <laughs> stupid law, but okay. Took yes. her about took her about five years living here before she realised she couldn't, I think. All well, right help yes right <laughs> it's been a pleasure young sir lots of fun sir anthony thank you so much and please do stay in touch and uh with your permission the next time i come up with an interesting uh, name or latin term you're now our uh, official uh, latin expert et- etymologist oh, our official oh. etymologist there you go thank you
1: That's very good of you thank you very much cameron
0: i mean we we do have several listeners to the show who have degrees in ancient greek and ancient latin and live in rome and florence and i turn to them sometimes but no i'm going to turn to you from now on because uh, you know just to be different i think uh, it's good shake it up a little bit thank you sir good 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 thank day you, to everyone. you good day to you sir. cheerio